welcome to Toss and Shout. I'm Emily. And I'm Maddie. We are your fellow fans, your favorite theorists, and today, Diodi's free and Lou is dying. And we're going to make it everyone's problem. recapping the next two episodes of roll and tell episode yeah, three are. and episode four breaking free and the glass death so Ooh. good so spooky so exciting i will <laughs> refrain from singing breaking free from high school musical because i do think <laughs> it every single time but yeah so if you haven't listened to our recap of episodes one and two go check that out mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to roll and tell stop listening to this and, go <laughs> and listen to roll and tell go check them out instead of us we're, we're not, not a replacement. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> we're just fans <laughs> recapping it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. With that being said, this will be so much better if you have listened through episode four because giant, massive, obvious spoilers for Gigantic. every part of these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we're not holding anything. Well, we're holding some things back. We are. Because we're caught up to what's currently been airing. We are. What we are spoiling is what happens in episode three and four. So yes. please do yourself and us a favor Go listen to those episodes and then come back and hear us talk about it because we're going to have a great time. This will be a blast. Totally. Let's get right into it. We last left Lude and Diodi. They just encountered Rosalind and Rosalind, who they thought was shaken down Lady Marigold. They decided to barter with her, get the ring she had taken from Lady Marigold to kind of gain her trust in a way. Kind of left things in a really weird place with Rosalind, like she's clocking them right now. So mm-hmm. Lewid realizes like, oh, this might be a little bit bigger than we originally thought. And that's where episode two ends. Mm-hmm. So then with episode three, she kind of gets away. Mm-hmm. She heads out after handing Lewid the badge that has the symbol of the broken throne on it. And so their next step is to find uh, Lady Marigold after Abigail has convinced Lady Marigold to uh, take her to the restroom, (laughs) a.k.a. be a distraction. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Lady Marigold calls out to Lewitt and Diodi, and she's in the observation deck of Castle Austeel. And the the description that they give is just so beautiful. It's this giant, the floor-length glass window. You can Mm -hmm. see the falls of the jagged corpse. Behind them, this, you know, hundreds feet tall waterfall. Um, The entire room looks like it's made of glass. The location that they're in is the Falls of the Jagged Corpse. That's a very uh, prominent landmark in the area, like a tourist location kind of deal. (laughs) And the reason it's called the Jagged Corpse is because the top of the the mountain where the, the waterfall is coming from, there are these gigantic rib bones that protrude from the side of the mountain. And the waterfall is going through these rib bones, which is just like an amazing visual description. It's one of my favorite things that yeah. they do is just they're so detailed and so descriptive um, mm-hmm. when not just with characters, but specifically with locations. Yes. As a visual artist, it is such a treat. <laughs> like I can just see it so perfectly in my head. And that yeah. is a huge nod to them because it helps yeah. immerse the audience into the world already Absolutely. just from these little moments. Yeah. So they walk in there. Abigail is not there. Of course she's not. Abigail's not there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the result of an altar, I believe. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Again, like how they do, um, they describe the scene and then they roll to see if that's what actually happens on the fate chart. And they rolled that it, the scene was altered in some way. And they decided in that roll 
that Abigail was not in the room with Lady Marigold. And then from there, they decided to roll subject action to determine where she was and what she mm-hmm. was doing. And they rolled harm leadership, <laughs> which yeah. was kind of funny. Um, wild. So <laughs> they interpreted that as Lady Corliss coming to interfere with Lude and Diodi and Abigail intercepting her <laughs> yeah. and distracting her so that she wouldn't ruin their plan, which yeah. I love that they were just kind of like, that's actually why they brought her in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, because she's great. And she's a menace. <laughs> and she's a menace, time. according to Lady Miracle. <laughs> That's the first time that she's described as a menace. <laughs> and not the last, I don't think. I don't and think so it, either. If it is the last, it shouldn't be, because <laughs> objectively, <laughs> she she's a menace. She totally is. <laughs> and we love her. Mm-hmm. This actually brings up a really interesting point. Lady Marigold is Lewid's former mentor, the knight who trained him. But he has not kept in contact with her since leaving the castle since going to the Screaming Spear. And so they determined that, one, she doesn't know who Abigail is because they haven't been in contact Mm -hmm. um, for the past, like, six-ish months. And, two, she's not particularly a fan of what Lewid's been doing (laughs) in the Spear. She immediately (laughs) approaches as, like, Abigail? Why did you bring her? (laughs) Who is she? Why is she here? That prompts Lewid to show her that he has acquired the ring that she gave to Rosalind. Yeah. They roll to determine her disposition upon seeing it, and they got fearful. That was a very interesting... I wasn't expecting that from her. Right. And the way that they spun that was interesting. So she's distressed, saying that she gave it to Rosalind for a reason. Yeah. And so then we get to see Diodi do brainworm again. Yeah, brainworm. To maybe figure out why (laughs) she's so distressed. Mm Mm-hmm. So when Diodi does this brainworm on Lady Marigold, we have this really heartbreaking scene that kind of provides a bit of background on Lady Marigold and Lewid's relationship prior to this yep. point. So they decided to describe how Lady Marigold comes to Lady Corliss to request that Lewid be made a knight. She's been training him for a while. He's her squire. Mm-hmm. She believes in him wholeheartedly. Turns out that she heard about Lewid's parents and their very tragic death and how, mm-hmm. you know, he was the oldest of 10 siblings. She felt for him in that moment. And so she kind of felt a responsibility to kind of provide a way for him to support his family. So she took him under her wing, trained him as a knight, and wanted him to become a full knight of Austeel so that he could provide for his family. Yeah. She brought this request to Lady Corliss. And now remember, Lady Corliss's disposition or her motives, or her character basically, is to institute hate. Yeah. That was what they rolled for her. And so immediately, she is so, so against this idea. She is speaking so viciously about um, the poor. There's a line she mm-hmm. says that says, let the poor play pretend. You know, yeah. like, I don't want that filth representing our royalty, our, our yeah. city. Marigold, since you have decided to press this issue further, I shall be explicit with you. House Austeel shall not allow the filth from the gutters to stain our good name. Your request is denied. See yourself out. Oh, and Lady Marigold, terminate this arrangement immediately. Let the poor play pretend on their own time, and do not waste our time and resources again on such pointless charity. It is just such a heartbreaking thing, because Lady Marigold's trying to fight for him. Everything's on the line here, and Mm -hmm. ultimately she's not able to convince Lady Corliss that Lewitt should be made a knight. 
So yeah. she kind of leaves really dejected. And Louis doesn't know this. So Diodi is no. finding all of this out. And Diodi's also realizing a lot about Lady Corliss's morals and values that he had no idea. Yeah, exactly. He starts feeling really, really confused, really angry. His eyes are open for the first time on the royal family that he's worked for for so long. Mm-hmm. That he considers, like, his family. Absolutely. And so it's, it's, got, it's such a heartbreaking thing to see on both yeah. ends for both of yeah. them. Yeah, it's a really powerful scene in mm-hmm. terms of putting some meat on the bones of these NPCs that are just starting to develop yeah. and adding, adding the dimensionality of the setting that we found ourselves in. Yeah. Because of this brainworm, they kind of piece together that Lady Marigold is really just trying to protect Lewid. She has heard, obviously, because of, you know, the feast and the subsequent rumors that Yodi got kidnapped and Rosalind is behind it because, you know, she was having that discussion with Lady Marigold. Yeah. It turns out that the blackmailing that's happening is that Rosalind is threatening Lewid's life mm-hmm. because Lady Marigold's weakness is Lewid oh. because of how protective she is and her relationship with him. That hurts so bad. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. So because she was being blackmailed, to protect Lewid's life, Lady Marigold gave Rosalind a piece of the royal jewelry as a proof of her word that she owes Rosalind a favor. This really takes Lewid by surprise. His ego and pride is hurt by this. Of I, I Not only could I save myself in the tunnel, but I saved Diodi. And I protected him. I can protect myself. And I can't believe that you would. I forget the phrasing that they used, but it was really good of like, I can take care of myself. I can do this on mm-hmm. my own. You shouldn't have to put yourself in harm's way. Like compromise your, your values. Yeah, exactly. The line is, I can't sit idly by while you're being threatened by somebody. Oh, that's a good line. Which is great. Yeah. And this also really sets Diodi off, as you said, of mm-hmm. him feeling like he's just a pawn. In this whole thing. Yeah. And this is also another amazing line. Right after the Lewid line I just said. Mm-hmm. Well, then maybe I'm not the only one here that needs to figure out who I am. Maybe the family needs to figure out who they are without me. I cannot tell you how proud I am <laughs> of that little elf boy. Genuinely, I, I just re-listening to it. I was just like, wow, this really was the start of him like coming into his own and realizing yeah. like what he deserves. That's a life that he has his say over. And so just to see him come to that and really just speak for himself, even if it's just to Lady Marigold, like it's arguably not to Lady Corliss, who I'd say he's maybe the most afraid of. Yes, I would agree with that. I still think like what a change in his character just to be yeah. able to say like, no, that's not what I want. And I yeah. should be able to determine that. And I should yeah. be able to go and, and explore things and, and leave if I want to and not feel like a prisoner here. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's really early in the episode, but that kind of feels like our lesson. Oh my gosh, does it? Do tell. <laughs> it does. I feel like the lesson for this episode is speak up for yourself. Speak up for yourself. I love that. Because Diodi really, and, you know, we're being objective. We're, mm-hmm. we're sharing what happens in the episode. This is when he starts putting those pieces together for himself, finding out that when given the opportunity, he has a voice and can use it. That is so very good, and I am melting into my seat. And he's my sweet baby oh, boy, who I love so much. Sweet, he's baby forever, but like he is. we're proud of him. This is baby's first steps. Baby's first steps. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful moment. Yeah. From there, they start figuring out, like, is Lady Marigold going to even let them leave? Mm-hmm. And they determine that, no, she is not. <laughs> she is not going to nope. let them leave. And it's also here that we find out two things. Mm-hmm. One, after Horace's negligence in letting Diodi get captured, they've kicked him out of the city. Yeah entirely which they they were like what happened to horace let's roll and find out and they said oh abuse travel is the subject action <laughs> yeah oh he got kicked out <laughs> he got fired he's not here anymore that's the first thing the other thing that they find out is that lady corliss is now going to be diodi's handler and that's mm-hmm. like the absolute last thing that diodi wanted yeah he had a visceral reaction to that news he did and Lewis sees this mm-hmm. and he's like, oh no, like, no, this is not, you can't do that. Yeah. From that, he kind of decides, I don't want to do this, but I need to do something to prove to you that Diodi's his own person and that you don't need to protect him anymore. And he goes, Lady Marigold, I challenge you to a duel. Yeah. So we get a duel between we get a duel. Lewis and Lady Marigold. We get a duel, and that's super exciting. But I don't want to breeze past the exchange of Luid looking at Diodi and saying, Diodi, would you like to be free? Oh, the yes, that's right. And the response of, I would at least like to be given the opportunity to be free. Hurts really good. It's just so good. Yeah. And then that, that confident line, once Lady Marigold accepts the duel, with yeah. Luid saying, you're going to be free, Diodi, so start thinking about all the things you're going to do. Yeah. Like, so confident. So, like, I'm going to get you yeah. your freedom. I'll do that for you. Exactly. My heart. He is a duelist, so I'm not... I feel confident that it's not a spoiler to say that there are more duels in the future. Yeah. But this one really specifically, the mentor-mentee lens of it all. Yeah. The different fighting that happens is just a really all-encompassing of, like, this is his character and this is how he fights, which is a really cool lens to get. Absolutely. I think the juxtaposition between Lady Marigold's kind of almost refined knightly posture... And then mm-hmm. Lewid, who grew up on the streets and is now kind yeah. of branched on his own and yeah. did have some squire training, but I don't know if that ever really kicked in because yeah. his is a lot more animalistic and in a stooped, grounded kind of way mm-hmm. that genuinely is so not knightly. And right. yet, it's not like noble or refined. it's not noble at all. And yet he still wins, which is incredible. He wins. He wins. He wins with that stuff. He so- says it himself, like, that's how I'm going to beat you. And it, it's true. And it's true. And, you know, maybe he's maybe he's got a point there. <laughs> maybe he was speaking facts. Maybe he's on to something. Mm-hmm. Which is incredible, like mentor and mentee. It's really, really good. It is so good that we can't even describe it. <laughs> we can't. We can't describe it. Um, you should just go listen to it. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know what? We might just include a little clip right here. We might have some snippets for yeah. you. Yeah. I not only roll out of the way, but kind of do it into a somersault and get back on my feet. I'm going to leap forward in a lunge and try to like get her on point with this blade at her neck to make her surrender because she's on the ground. I'm going to try to jump forward, step on her longsword with my left foot and get her on point with my rapier so that she can't continue the fight. That's 14 because I rolled two sixes. (laughs) I step on her longsword as I jump forward and forcefully thrust my rapier forward towards her neck and just as it's about to touch the flesh on her throat, I stop the blade. Lady Marigold, yield. So tell us what you thought. Yeah. How'd it go? How'd that go? Um, (laughs) Right? Do you get what we're saying now? (laughs) Do you hear it? 
Do you hear it now? Did you, you hear it? Did you yeah. get it? <laughs> Did you get it? <laughs> Did you get it? <laughs> you get. <laughs> you don't get it. You have to listen again. <laughs> it's a great duel. So you get it. So you get it. So you get it. It's a really great duel, and so obviously, Lewid, because he's Lewid, he, he wins. wins. He says, you know, Lady Marigold, yield. Yield. She goes, I yield. All right. You bested me. As an honorable knight, she accepts that she has lost, mm-hmm. and then follows that up with her saying, I'm proud of both of you, which is just beautiful. And there's a very sweet, tender moment between both Diodi and Lady Marigold, and then Lewid and Lady Marigold. Yeah. And they get to leave. Yeah. She watches them go. They grab Abigail on the way out. They do. They do. <laughs> Tosses they her cappuccino over her shoulder and <laughs> like, let's go. And let's get out of here. Yeah. And this next bit is all, it's so crazy, y'all. Yeah. I'm not even ready for it. We're not. As they do, they start asking, okay, what's the next step here? And they determine that they want to go figure out in the streets What's the Broken Throne? What is this thing that they've been given this badge of and see if that'll mm-hmm. lead them anywhere? Mm-hmm. And they roll to see if that would happen. And guess what? It does not. It's the first interrupt of the game. <laughs> it's the first interrupt. So as a refresher, when they roll for chaos, they have determined what the chaos level of the game is currently at on a scale of two to nine. Then they roll a 10-sided die or a d10 to determine if the scene happens as they describe it if it is interrupted so that there is an entirely new scene before the scene they described Mm -hmm. or if it is altered in some way so they have to change how they describe the scene yeah there have been alters leading up to this but this is the first interrupt so we have an entirely new scene that happens before they investigate the broken throne Mm-hmm. So as they're being interrupted and they have to kind of roll up this new thing, they roll up an event focus and mm-hmm. they get PC negative. So that's a player character negative. So they roll a D4 and they determine that it's Lewid who is mm-hmm. the player character negative. So they roll subject action mm-hmm. to then determine what the PC negative is and they get attainment lies. Yes. So th- they determine that that means that Rosalind knew he was lying about fencing the mm-hmm, ring, mm-hmm. like selling it and getting her the money. And so she's after him. And she's magical, so she's incredibly dangerous. <laughs> um, so they roll some more stuff, and they find out that the negative that will happen to him is a poison. Yeah, just a poison, you know. Super fun. <laughs> so great. They're walking through <laughs> this sort of poor part of town, which they come up with the name the Brittle Ash District. Mm-hmm. So, just like we described the, how beautiful the observation deck in Castle of Steel is, the description of the sort of dirty, sad part of town mm-hmm. is so good. Oh, yeah. Like, really uh, depressing, honestly. It's very sad. Super sad. It's... Like, really sets the tone for these different parts of, of their people, basically. Yes. The different levels yes. in the city. And how yeah. this one's just not cared for. Yeah. They describe people sort of ambling around the area in, like, dusty, ashen cloaks. Mm -hmm. And one of these people walks up and uh, slices Lewid's hand. Yeah. He looks down and he has a cut on his hand. Mm -hmm. And it's hurting way more than it should because it's poisoned. And so then they say, oh, let's let's figure out a description for this cut. And they get (laughs) sharp. So then they say the blood is coagulating in almost glass-like shards 
around the cut. And his blood is solidifying into glass. How? How did they come up with that? That's incredible. It's amazing. It's an amazing and creative spin. Mm-hmm. We'll put the lab coat on later because yeah, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about it. I'm going to be your lab partner for that. I'm excited. Yes, <laughs> it'll be great. It's just, it's so powerful. Yeah. Lewitt is so scared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Abigail immediately jumps into action and Dioti does too. Abigail calls for help. They have a certain move that they can do that's recruit where they can call for help and roll up somebody there. Mm-hmm. And so somebody is there and ready to help. Yeah. And I will let Emily introduce <laughs> this character. This character, yes. In our most desperate times, Lewid has poison coursing through his veins. He does not have much time. And so they're like, we're going to roll someone to help, right? Yes. These are the descriptors that they roll up for this, this new NPC. Mm-hmm. He is a conservative monk. His motivations are strive, prosperity. Basically, they decide that this is the monk that's, you know, taken it as his life goal to improve the lives of the people in this district, in this city. Yeah. You know? And so great, you know? Personality-wise, yeah. he's kind, despite being a little awkward, you know? Yeah. They're also chronically ill. <laughs> chronically ill. Chronically. <laughs> and so they roll up a name. Mm-hmm. Brother Whittleby. <laughs> Welcome, Brother Whittleby. Welcome, Brother Whittleby, to the to podcast. And, tell. <laughs> and what a character he is. Then they make the most pivotal role, I would say. They roll that he's a liability. <laughs> and which means that he's terrible at his job. So they've rolled this on paper up to this point. He is a healer. He is perfect. He's exactly what they need in the moment. And then he has a minus one to his abilities because he's a liability because he's a liability and so when when he's looking through his bag to see if he has anything to help he does roll a one because they got snake eyes yeah minus one minus one it wasn't even a two it's not even a two which is usually the lowest you could roll it's a one it's a one and also he just sounds hilarious yeah the way that jeffrey voices that little man it's just so off the wall right away like nasally like he's sick forever kind Gosh. of a voice sniffling you know? and like let me see the wound <laughs> that's my best whittleby impression i don't it's got a much great, that's a that's a great whittleby <laughs> um i'm not even gonna try he gets a one abigail's not super happy with him Mm-mm, not at all she <laughs> calls him listen here you little fat man little fat man <laughs> <laughs> to which Lewis' response is, of course, Abigail, you can't call people fat. <laughs> I love her. She's so tactless. She's the best. And she does threaten him. Yeah. Through her threatening, they do get to introduce that there is a brotherhood. You know, he's not just one lone monk. There are other monks that have a sort of chapel that they can take Lewis to to maybe help get healed by somebody more competent. Yes. And so they start walking there, and that concludes episode three. That's the end of episode three. Yeah. What a wild ride. (laughs) What a wild ride. (laughs) So now we have episode four, The Glass Death, which they did decide to call it The Glass Death because, you know, Mm -hmm. there's glass. Mm-hmm. And he's probably going to die. He's probably dying. Yeah. They start off the episode saying, like, let's see if my character lives or not. <laughs> super, super lighthearted. Super great way to start off. Yeah. So episode starts with the party carrying in Lewid, who is fading in and out of consciousness. He's really, he's not doing too great, you know. Nope. He's trying his best, but this blood is coagulating. 
Yeah. And so they bring him in to this chapel, the Chapel of Prosperity. They roll up an actual competent monk named mm-hmm. Brother Girish. So mm-hmm. Brother Girish, these are his descriptors. He's addicted to helping, which I love. We love a man who's addicted to helping. Yeah, really. we do. He's addicted <laughs> to his job. And that's, yeah. that's great. That's all you want. Yeah, exactly. So he advocates nature. He's like a homeopath. He doesn't use magic, you know, just natural remedies to heal. And he's a dreamer. So he has like a vision and a hope for this district. He wants to, you know, see it thrive. So he does all that he can in this endeavor of his. Mm -hmm. They introduce him to Brother Garish and they ask, does Brother Garish know what this poison is off the bat? And they roll an exceptional yes. Yeah. Which means it's not just that he recognizes it, it's that he knows exactly that this is a broken throne tactic. Yeah. That they target people in this way with this mm-hmm. poison specifically, which is just so insane. <laughs> that That is wild. That's like a big game changer. Also, as a result of an exceptional yes, he is able to treat it effectively. He knows what he's dealing with. Yeah. And so there's this amazing visual warning if you're squeamish. Yeah. There's an amazing visual of them describing the way he like pulls a piece of blood glass out through the cut. Yeah. Then he uses a single finger to start to massage something hard and sharp out through the cut on Lewis's hand. You watch as he grabs a single solid piece of glass and drops it in a bowl by Lewid's side. The way that Jeffrey described it was so, again, visually amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I saw it immediately. This shard coming out of Lewid's arm was stained crimson red like his blood and looked like a stained glass window, if you had broken up a stained glass window. Yeah. Just coming out of his body. Super casual. Great. No big deal. Yeah. You're dying. Um, <laughs> You're dying. <laughs> poor Yodi can't handle it. He's, he's grossed out by it. Yeah. Don't blame him. Abigail has a different reaction. Yeah. When Brother Girish is massaging Lewid's arm, you can hear like the shattering of the glass in the arm. The other monks have to hold Abigail back. Mm-hmm. Because she is so protective of him. Yeah. Gosh. It's a very great detail. I love that. To sort of figure out how to not just examine, but how to actually treat it, they roll subject action. Yeah. And they get an amazing pairing of break inside. (laughs) Can you get any more perfect than that? I don't... (laughs) Like, really, really good. They determine that they're going to have to do bloodletting Mm -hmm. to break inside. So they start... Girish starts with a wound that he had gotten in the duel... Yes. Across his chest. It wasn't super bad. Yeah, had already started healing at that point, but... Yes, and so they reopen it and determine that it hasn't really gotten to his chest. Like, it's just getting to his chest. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I think, Emily, mm-hmm. we're recording in our, our tunnel in Tangent Land as we, we always are. do. We are, yeah, yeah, There's yeah. a door over here that I don't think you've been in. That I haven't been in? Yeah, I don't think you have. Do you want to come in here? I do, I do. Yeah, what, okay. what is this place? It's kind of dark in here. This is my lab. This <laughs> is my lab. lab. <laughs> We're, because I can't take this anymore, we have to talk about the pathological implications of the glass death because I didn't get my degree to not talk about <laughs> the real world implications of what this poison would actually do. Awesome. Can I grab that coat that's hanging by the door? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my extra one. I already okay. have mine on. Awesome. I love it. Okay, I'm putting it on right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay, are you ready? Do any goggles? Do any goggles? 
Um, yeah, just, like, just to be safe. Okay, okay, I'll go get them. But, like, I'm a chill lab person, so, like, we're not working with any chemicals right now, so you don't okay. have to put them on right now. I still feel like I should, but I, okay. You should. You can. Okay. If it makes you feel comfortable, you can. It does. Thank you. Okay, perfect. Listen, so Girish pulls out a whole shard of glass through the small cut on his hand. Mm-hmm. In science, it's very important to lay out all of your assumptions. So my main assumption here is that I am assuming that the elves of Ostil have a similar venal structure as humans. Right. Okay? So, if you look, like, at your hand, there's not a, like, giant artery in your hand. Those are all small veins and, like, capillaries. Yeah. If your blood is coagulating as a piece of glass that you massage up through the arm and push through, if that was just one vein that had not burst, that would be microscopic. Right. So, at this point, his veins are, like, exploding. Yeah. Now, glass, I did look this up beforehand. Mm-hmm. Glass doesn't really expand. It expands when it gets hot, yeah. but not necessarily when it's forming. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it's, like, exploding, like, you know, when you put a water bottle in the freezer and then it explodes. Like, it's, right, not, right. it's not expanding like that. But if it's forming as glass, like, it has to be larger, right? Mm-hmm. That's one part. Two, the average blood flow rate is three feet per second. Three feet per second? Three feet per second, Emily. Blood poisoning, a.k.a. sepsis, going into septic shock, it has like a 50% fatality wow. in hospitals. Blood poisoning is like a putting a poison directly into the bloodstream. At that rate, bare minimum, <laughs> Lewis should be an amputee. He would have lost that full arm. Wow. Worst case scenario, which really isn't worst case because he had five Mm -hmm. to ten minutes, he would be dead. He would be dead. His heart would have fully solidified into glass. Glass is hermetic, so zero oxygen can pass through it. Wow. So the blood, the oxygen that your blood is carrying is not, it can't do that anymore. So there would be zero circulation to this arm, Uh which means he, it would have had to been in. Wow. Your kidneys are gone because... It can't filter glass. That's right. (laughs) The blood-brain barrier is a full sheet of glass. Basically, it's like an instantaneous and spontaneous heart attack. Because it's like, instead of plaque, it's glass. In all of your veins. Wow. I think that's it. Yeah. I wish you guys could see my open maw (laughs) is at this, the implications of this. Yeah. When when Garish said it couldn't have gotten past his chest, my thought was, oh, then he's dead. If it hasn't gotten past his chest, that means it's in his chest, which means it's getting in his heart, which means his heart is glass now, and all around his lungs, so he's now suffocating. It's not in his lungs. Your, bl- your blood doesn't go in your lungs. That would be really bad. This just made but it, like, a hundred times more scary. It's terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah. What the heck, Christian and Jeffrey? I don't know that you realize I don't think how you re- terrifying that is. <laughs> like, if you wanted your boy to live, you should not have said, like, you should have said it hasn't gotten past his wrist. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very slow-moving poison. But even then, three feet per second, feet you've injected that poison directly into his bloodstream. He is dead now. Yeah. Glad he's not. <laughs> glad he's not. Glad y'all worked it out somehow. I'm glad this is fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> because in the real world... No one would have been. This man's dead. This man's dead. In the fourth episode, this man's dead. 
Oh gosh! Can wow! You imagine? I love an analyzing. I love listening to your analysis. Thank you. <laughs> I have been thinking about it since I first listened. Of like, this is scary, and I don't. I think they're downplaying how serious this would be mm-hmm. in the real world. But this re- this re-listen in preparation for this episode was when I sat down and was like, okay, let's think about just how terrible this would be. Yeah. How and painful yeah, I mean, that must have been. I'm thinking, how tall is... He's like seven feet, I think. Yeah, so again, making the assumption that elves have the same sort of makeup as humans. Mm-hmm. Your like wingspan, like fingertip to fingertip, is the same as your height. Yeah. So then this is like from his fingertips to chest is three and a half feet. <laughs> and it's three feet per second. So it's three feet per second. <laughs> you had half a foot chance. <laughs> <laughs> to live. <laughs> you had two seconds, and then you're you're dying. For real. Wow. For a human body, circulates your entire five liters of blood about once a minute. So... This man should not have lived. In under a minute, his entire body would be glass. What a way to kill someone. That's terrifying. I mean, That's it's kind of terrifying. fascinating, but it would be a terrible way to die. Mm-hmm. Glad he's not dead, like I said. I am too. Yeah. It would have been sad. <laughs> it would have been real sad. Thank God this and is you know, fantasy, you know? <laughs> it's fantasy, and we have Christian Jeffrey to thank for keeping rolling the- good and keeping him alive. <laughs> yeah. Because I would have hated it, you would have hated it, mm-hmm. and Abigail would have hated it. <laughs> Abigail would have, you know what? She would have seen red. She would have. She would have. She would have. And we, we would have loved that for her. We would have. But not for us. <laughs> no. <laughs> incredible so we can leave the lab now i think that's yeah i think that's it i'll leave all this stuff here thanks for letting me wear it yeah i'll have to sanitize everything so just like leave yeah it. Just do you have a hamper do you mean no to... just like leave it on the lab bench and i'll get to it it'll be fine <laughs> okay i don't know if you have a hamper <laughs> in your lab <laughs> i mean maybe but like it's fine i said like i said i'll leave until... it on the bench don't worry about it okay 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 back on track back on track just... back to where we're recording <laughs> in our tunnel in tangent land <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Because of the treatment that they're doing, he's going to be very weak, so he, they need somewhere to stay. Mm-hmm. Gear says they can stay at the Chapel of Prosperity while they heal up. But he also he also mentions that like you you know you you look like you're used to nicer establishments, so I don't know. And then Abigail says, you know, as long as there's a bed for Lewid, Mm. she'll take like a chair or a stool or even just sit on the floor but yeah. as long as he had a bed she'll be fine which is very cute so sweet and we get like that first moment where like it's not just that they're traveling companions like he's my best friend yeah and that's just yeah. so like wow what a development i what a development that surprised even diodi <laughs> even diodi he goes i was actually wondering the same thing <laughs> sweet boy yeah yeah, just in the two episodes that we're covering today, we've gone from bard following Lewitt around mm-hmm. to traveling companion to best friend, which is just so, uh, so good. We love that development so very much. Exactly. One thing to note, um, Whittleby is still being a menace. Of course he is. And so he's requesting that they pay <laughs> for their accommodations in the chapel. <laughs> And Abigail finally relents and throws him a coin, and he doesn't catch it. He doesn't catch it. It goes down the drain. (laughs) Not the storm drain on the street. Of course it does. (laughs) Of course it does, because it's Whittleby. Yeah. 
So they end that scene right there, yeah. and they come back um, about two days later, which is yeah. the time they rolled for Lewitt to recover fully. He's been knocked out cold, but he like opens his eyes, and there's like sunlight pouring in through the window, and he looks down at his arm, one arm, and he sees scars all up his arm and on his chest from the bloodlettings mm-hmm. in the past few days to purge his blood from this poison, this toxin. Yeah. And he sees that. And he registers it, and then he looks over, and he sees Abigail sitting by his bedside. The reason we're getting this scene is because they got another interrupt. Yes, let's talk about that. So we get another interrupted scene. The event focus that they roll is actually to move away from a story thread. And so this is the introduction of the concept of story threads in Dungeon World. A story thread is just any kind of question that they are following. The grand topics that Mm -hmm. the story is, you know, dealing with at any given moment, they roll to determine which thread to move away from. And they roll that they have to move away from how do we stop Rosalind. Which is incredible. Yes. And they have a moment where they talk about Rosalind is a way bigger deal than they even thought she was going to be just two episodes ago. That she's shaping up to be an actual, like, big, bad, mm-hmm. capital A antagonist of this story instead of just some person randomly blackmailing the Knights of Ostiel. Yeah. Terrifying. So, Terrifying, yeah. truly. <laughs> very, very terrifying. Especially after um, the Glass Death scandal. Like, exactly. While, like, Rosalind's an actual threat here. We're not ready to face her yet, kind of a thing. Yes, exactly. Because of that... Abigail is going to be the one to tell Lewid mm-hmm. that they need to leave Rosalind alone for now. That sets up the scene. Uh, and what a what a scene, y'all. What a scene. I'll say this right now off the top. When I was starting to listen to Roll and Tell, this was the episode that really solidified everything for me. Yep. That really got me like head over heels deep into this podcast. Yes. Because... Everything just got so real so fast. You know, everything up to this point was a lot of, you know, setup and world building and character introductions. All great stuff. Mm -hmm. But this is when they really got into the meat of it. Yeah. And started, like, fleshing out these characters. Specifically with Abigail, just, you know, her seeing a little bit more from her was mm-hmm. such a delight and it just it brought me in instantly so this this yeah. scene this episode was really the one that turned me i'm like oh okay so we're in this now yeah ah, i am invested emotionally great yes <laughs> all i'm gonna think about for like the next year <laughs> exactly emily can attest to that yes. it was the exact same thing for me <laughs> um i received texts <laughs> Because that was like the first, it was the first real time reaction that I sent you Mm -hmm. of this is getting so wild that I have to text you while I'm listening. (laughs) And then I just never stopped. (laughs) Um, And we have a podcast now. And now we have a podcast now. (laughs) That's how it started, (laughs) y'all. That's how it started was me texting Emily and saying, I'm on episode four and the stakes are so high. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and also, I have gone from seeing Abigail and Lewitt as a funny bit to shipping them so much mm-hmm. in one episode. One scene in one episode. Yeah. And this is that scene. <laughs> this is this is the introduction in earnest of Lewigail. <laughs> in earnest. There's just so, so many good things here. I don't even know where to start. So we have this really lovely scene after Lewitt wakes up and sees Abigail 
so tired. She hasn't moved much except to get, like, food or to walk around a little bit. But she's been, like, steadfast by his side. Mm-hmm. She's so worried. You can tell in her voice. Um, and Lou is just like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. And she, like, flushes because obviously she's in love with him. I know. And it's, like, this, this unspoken thing um, between them. Abigail says to him, like, I almost lost you. Yeah. This is this is too dangerous. Like, you're not strong enough to take on Rosalind head on right now. Like mm-hmm. we can't we can't do this. Yeah, and she's bigger. She's bigger than what we can handle right now. Exactly. And she's kind of like that voice of reason in this moment for him. Um even though he's still kind of out of it, uh he he listens to her and he he recognizes it. We're also kind of trying to determine how much Gears knows about the broken throne. Gears reveals that Lewid was targeted by him because yeah. he had that badge that Rosalind gave him. Yeah. He was instantly a target to be poisoned. It's just this really tender moment where Abigail's breaking down. She's like, I don't want to lose you. She's crying. He's comforting she's, her. She's crying. She's which crying. Is wild. And yeah. like Jeffrey says, like, he's Lewid's really seeing Abigail now for the first time. Like at this mm-hmm. point in the game, we don't know a lot about her. But it's yeah. so clear that this is hitting too close to home for her. Something about this is striking a chord with her. Absolutely. So it's all, it's all this moment. And Lewid says to Diodi, I know you're probably not used to this, but I'm going to leave the next steps up to you. Like, I'm okay, but I need to rest. I'm still not doing too well. So I'm just going to close my eyes and I'm going to let you take it from here. And that scene ends. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful. There's a great moment where Abigail is very, you know, heartfelt saying, this really almost took you out. Like, imagine if it had happened to somebody who was weaker than you. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine if it happened to Diodi. And then he just says, Abigail, don't call people weak. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's my favorite running gag of the pod. It, it's so good it's every so time. It's so good because it just, it comes up naturally for her. And then I know. It's immediately Lewid is like, girl. <laughs> you can't. Abigail, you can't. So the next scene, they determine the scene is that Corliss is mad. Yeah. That Diodi has left them. And she is sending her guards after him. The scene opens with the guards pounding on the door to the Chapel of Prosperity, ready to bring him back forcefully to Castle Austeel. Mm-hmm. Lewid, forgetting that he said that he was going to leave the next steps up to Diodi, and he's not strong enough in this moment to fight, mm-hmm. immediately tries to start fighting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he said, my fists are up and I'm ready. He's ready. <laughs> Diodi is saying... No, you can't. This is Corliss. Mm-hmm. And Lewid's pushing back. As a reminder, Diodi knows why Lewid is not a knight of Austile. Yeah. Lewid knows that he was rejected, but he doesn't know why. No. Diodi decides to share the information that he knows and drop the bombshell in this moment. Lewid, you didn't become a knight, not because you weren't good enough, and not because you weren't ready or anything like that. Corliss did not approve you becoming a knight because you were poor, because you had nothing to offer the royal family. You weren't good enough in Corliss's eyes because of your status, because of where you came from, because of your family. Jail. Jail for you, Lady Corliss. Jail. Terrible. Absolutely. Hate that. 
Lewitt is very hurt when he hears this. It instead reaffirms that his initial instincts. So he tries to get up and does, in fact, fall out of his bed. <laughs> because he's still healing, Yeah, he is saying, like, I'll fight them all. I will yeah. show them that I am worthy. He's still trying to prove himself. Diodi and Abigail convince him that he doesn't need to. And Abigail's line here mm-hmm. is just so beautiful. It's so incredible. I'll just say with the context we have now, it is just so, so good. That's all I can really really say. It's just so well thought out. Yeah. Um, We can't say much, but knowing what we know now, it hits different. It really does hit different. And that's what, hey, you know what? That's why we love a re-listen. We love a re-listen. We love a re-listen here on Toss and Shout. Don't ask us what our Spotify rap numbers were. (laughs) Don't. We will not give them to you. Okay? We'll give you anything else. Don't do it. Not that. No. Yeah, I'll tell you all of my top music artists. You don't get my podcast numbers. You don't get my podcast <laughs> numbers, and that's it. Don't ask. <laughs> but we do love a re-listen. But we do, and, you know, re-listening to this line specifically. We'll share it here because it's just, it's so well done. Abigail, I, I can't run away. Abigail puts both of her hands on Lewid's shoulders and squeezes tightly and looks deeply into his eyes as if to say, listen clearly. Lewid, sometimes running away is how you're going to protect the ones around you. It is not always about confronting the danger head on, but sometimes it's about preventing those who you're trying to protect from coming close to that danger. We need to find another way out if you're wanting to protect everyone here. Christian plays it in such a beautiful way. Um, that really gets through to Lewid. Oh, so good. And then from there, so once he sort of accepts that, once he hears her, her words get through to him. There is another exit out of the Chapel of Prosperity, but it is an unpleasant exit. You know what's unpleasant about it? What's unpleasant about it? It's a catacombs. It's a catacombs. <laughs> because um, they want to give a proper burial to yeah. The people who have died on the street in the Brittle Ash District. So they just yeah. have a catacombs there. Yep. Great. So great. So, which is wonderful. Not as wonderful as the name that they randomly roll. I will remind you that these are random rolls when we tell you that the name that they roll is the Tomb of the High Death. Like, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. If I didn't hear them doing it, I would not believe it was random. That's so perfect. And so... They're so good at this. They get these yeah. random rules and they implement it so seamlessly into their world. Yeah. So you all you all remember what we talked about earlier in this episode about the falls of the jagged corpse. Yep. You know, the waterfall and the bones jutting out of the mountainside, this massive skeleton encased in the mountain. Just, you know, they decide, okay, Tomb of the High Death, great. Mm-hmm. That must mean that the massive bones that are in the mountain, that is what this creature is. It's that tomb. Yeah. And it yeah. goes, and this catacombs is the lowest point of that skeleton in the mountain. Yep. Insane. They take it Crazy. another level. Can you believe yeah. it? Not just that. There's these rumors, apparently. People had gone down there and realized that somehow this skeleton was still alive inside yeah. the mountain. Yeah. So there's a living skeleton inside the mountain where the waterfall is. Yeah. And that is the area that Lewid, Diodi, and Abigail are going to be entering next time. Next time, when they roll and tell. 
Oh, gosh. And that's the end of the episode. And that's the end of the episode. Can you believe? What a trip. Yeah. With that, we've given you the recap. We've shared what happens in the episodes. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to dive into how we feel about it. Absolutely. Starting back with episode three, it's not even really part of the episode, but in my heart, it it is included in the episodes. Sure. Um, With one of my favorite introductions still to this day. Of episode three is when they say, we are your players, your storytellers, and your little baby goblin boys. <laughs> Which is still one of my favorite ones. You know, it's one of my favorites, too. <laughs> it's so good. And your little baby goblin boys. Number four, episode four is also really good. Just a bunch of spiders in a trench coat. Yeah. That one's also really good, and I forgot about that. But little handle. baby goblin boys <laughs> is on another level. That's such a fun one. I giggle it's, every time. Yeah. I know, me too. Every time, because I do re-listen to this podcast several times. A lot. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts <laughs> right off the top? Um, let's see. I, it's just, the the whole thing for me, I think, it is just, it is so funny. Jeffrey's delivery when he's talking to Marigold, Lady Marigold about Abigail mm-hmm. is so funny. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> She's just like. Well, a couple things about Lady Marigold, too. I'll, I'll do the emotional bit and then the, the funny bit, too. Yeah. Um, just knowing that Lady Marigold sees Lewid like a son. Yeah. And, and kind of cares for him and wants to protect him in that way, like, from a motherly standpoint. Really sweet. Really, like, adds another layer to her character. But then also, in that context of being like, Abigail? Who's Abigail? Kind of yeah. like a mother questioning her son. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and what did she say? I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about that, but it definitely is not just like a, she was so annoying, who is that? Yeah. But because she sees him as her son, it's like, who is who Abigail? Is that? <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's so good. And he says something, I think before all this, he's like, oh, where's like my companion or something? And she goes, companion? Yeah. He's like, uh, traveling companion. I I wrote this down because it made me laugh. He goes, I don't mean to suggest that we have some sort of relationship. (laughs) Relationship. (laughs) The way he says that is really, it cracks me up every time. It does. And you know, it's really funny because, I don't know, maybe he's gotten that before about them. And he has to clarify every time. Amazing to think about Lewis' reaction to that versus Abigail's. Yeah. And we do get a glimpse of that because in these two episodes, both of them are asked, is that your companion? Is that your partner? And the way that they both respond is really interesting. You're right. I love that. We get sort of like the mirror, like we get their foil Mm -hmm. in in these two chunks. Yeah. Um, We kind of get Abigail's like, he means a lot to me kind of a thing, but we're not together and she's like a little she's a little flustered Mm -hmm. but still there's a boundary there there's a boundary but it's not like lewitt is like in denial yeah he's He's fully like no that's not no what right (laughs) and she she like her emotion is still so evident Mm -hmm. even though it like kind of catches her off guard (sighs) the lua gale of it all it's it's just so good yeah and it's gonna keep getting better yeah just you guys wait you're not ready we're not not ready ready. actually we're not ready at all unfortunately for us yeah Um, bear with us will you but then of course the yodi of it all the yodi of it all i love this like 
his reaction to the brain worm is really beautiful, I think. And it's very human. Mm -hmm. It's him starting to put, you know, it's him connecting the dots. He's starting to put together the pieces of Corliss, who he wasn't. I don't know how much they explicitly say it, but it's very evident that she is not kind. Yeah. And so he's probably been thinking for a while of like, what is Corliss's whole deal, right? Mm-hmm. He hasn't seen it as sort of openly as in this memory from Lady Marigold. And so he is starting to think for himself. He's starting to yeah. feel, <laughs> they explicitly say, feeling frustration and anger for the first time in his life. Yeah, which is that's the part that got fascinating. me. Fascinating. I was like, this poor boy hasn't like even been allowed or allowed himself to feel these feelings. Yeah. He's just kind of let things brush him by, but I, I'm like, yeah. he finally got to a point where it was too much for him. He's like, yeah. I'm over this. I'm done with this. Like, I yeah. want control of my life. Yes. And we're that's so what, proud of him for it. We're we're so proud of our boy, the main character of this podcast. <laughs> the main character of the podcast, which we have said, and it has been confirmed. So it has been confirmed. We're and correct. I think this is, this is such a, like, main character moment yeah. for him of accepting his agency. Mm-hmm. Which is huge. It's great. Yeah, it's good stuff. Another great little bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. When Lady Marigold is accepting the duel, she says, I suppose I should be happy you didn't just make out in the night with Diodi on some wild horse ride into the darkness. Oh. <laughs> What's some chef's kiss foreshadowing there, you guys? Can't wait to bring that back up later. <laughs> That's going to be fun to talk about again and say, hey, remember this in episode three? That hey. was funny. <laughs> Um, and that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's good. In the moment right after the duel, the juxtaposition between the two hugs that we see, mm, mm-hmm. Diodi, who has already hugged multiple people at this point. He <laughs> has. Lewis. You know, he's canonically a hugger. And I love that. He is canonically a hugger, isn't he? <laughs> Sweet boy. Love it. The difference between him hugging Lady Marigold, who he's not really like super close with her. But it's just like a, she's granting him his freedom. Mm-hmm. And he is so grateful in that moment. And then awkward, low charisma Lewid giving just like <laughs> the briefest little hug. Just like the when, tiniest bit of affection. Just like the tiniest bit when Diodi has left the room. <laughs> Man, you're right. Wow. Which is just so sweet. That's so in character. I know. Mm. They already have such a good grasp on their characters that's something i wanted to note too because yeah in these episodes again this is three and four like they're get they're rolling at this point with these characters yeah. you know but even from the start they've been playing them so true and honest mm-hmm. to what they rolled absolutely it's as if they're actors right right exactly you know as if they're becoming the characters that they're playing yeah <laughs> but genuinely i I just love seeing like this thread of, of the consistency of Lewid wanting to prove himself in everything that he does, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and that being like a main motivator for his actions. Exactly. Like proving to Lady Marigold that he is strong enough and doesn't really yep. need protection. He can do it himself. Proving yeah. to Abigail and Diodi that he's strong enough to fight all these guards. He's fight- strong enough to fight Rosalind, you know. Yeah still trying to prove himself and that's just a thread that i see continuously um mm-hmm. and and also i see him grow with that thread so it's yeah. it's, it's been really interesting to see what it's been like at the beginning and where mm-hmm. it goes from there 
Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then this is such a small thing, but as Jeffrey said, they're both kind of in their feels yeah. when they're walking out of the castle. And the little detail of Abigail playing her concertina to try to lighten the mood. Yeah. It's so cute. She's a girl. We love her. I love that. <laughs> it's very cute. That's also super um, in character for her. And that's an also yeah. funny kind of thing, too, foreshadowing um, mm-hmm. her playing her concertina in tense situations. Exactly. Love that. We l- love a detail. <laughs> we love a detail. <laughs> we love reminding uh, Christian and Jeffrey of their details. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because I feel confident in saying that us bringing this up as like, wow, listen to that foreshadowing. That was amazing. Can you believe that? <laughs> they were thinking of it. Because no. why would they? Because they wouldn't be. Because cause they're just playing their story. They're mm-hmm. just playing out their story with their random roles. Yep. And we're it. in the background furiously taking notes. <laughs> we're the ones that are, like, deep analyzing this stuff. Like, like crazy people. <laughs> Truly unhinged behavior. Absolutely. And you know what? Wouldn't have it any other way. No, absolutely not. <laughs> this is who, this is real, this is me. I'm exactly, <laughs> exactly where, where I'm supposed, supposed to be. To be. <laughs> out <laughs> not the demi <laughs> oh my god! you have episode four thoughts my only thought was because i was so enthralled re-listening to this somewhere in my brain on like my third re-listen to this before we recorded this i had yeah. thought that Lewid got bloodletting scars through on both arms and like uh-huh. all over his upper body yeah and then re-listening to it like yesterday I realized it was just the one arm and up to his chest. And I was like, oh, what a cool detail. Like, that makes more sense than what I put in my brain. Uh Uh-huh. Again, love a re-listen. But it was just, like, a cool little detail. We talked about this. I don't know if you wanted to introduce this idea about, like, um, Lewid's looks and how he views himself. Yeah. Yeah. So we we get in a later episode, just a very, very small passing comment Mm -hmm. that, Louis cares about what his hair looks like, <laughs> which is great. That, again, one of the main reasons that we love a re-listen is framing the earlier episodes with the context that we have now. Yeah. And that's fun to do in a scripted show or a book series or anything like that. Yeah. But it's so rewarding in this format mm-hmm. of a randomly generated improv RPG. Yeah. And so in viewing Lewid through that, we know that he was unconscious while it was happening. I mean, but you know, basically comatose. Yeah. And so just thinking about him waking up and the first thing that he sees are cuts all up his arm and on his chest. Specifically, they say cuts that will turn into scars. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty deep. Just thinking about how he's striving to leave behind his street rat past yeah his his sort of criminal background and be an honorable knight Mm -hmm. prove himself worthy just thinking about sort of how that would hit him how that would land of like i didn't have any say in this and obviously i'm alive which he shouldn't be but we won't get back into that no (laughs) i am alive clearly grateful but i don't know that i would have asked for this yeah because like you know Battle scars are one thing because it means that he like fought honorably, but mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. being targeted, being poisoned, having to accept help from somebody else is what all of that means. 
Yeah. Not not a great reminder, I bet, on his person. Exactly. Exactly. Man. And they're going to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah. Speaking of looks, I have a hot take. Ooh. Okay. When they were rolling up Brother Gearish, as a, as a trait, they rolled that he had notable hair. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> they rolled that he had notable hair. And knowing that he's a monk, I wanted them to say that he had a tonsure so bad. <laughs> and they didn't. They just made him bald, said, which is not notable hair. It's not hair it's at all. It's just the absence of hair. <laughs> Guys, we could have had a tonsure. We could have had that monk hairstyle that's just a ring of hair with a bald spot at the top. That would it's have hilarious. been incredible. But no. He said, I he's, think he's bald. He's just bald. That's not notable hair, Jeffrey. Guys. Affectionately. Affectionately you're with so much love. He should have a tonsure. He should have had a tonsure. Oh gosh. <laughs> Missed opportunity, yeah. man. Honestly. Oh, here's here's something that I am very curious about. Ooh. I specifically in this re-listen, I was trying to catch if they ever said because they love they love a detail. Mm-hmm. I was trying to catch if they said what hand it was. Oh, yeah. got cut on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know about... Okay, I always pictured it as his... On the left, left arm? Oh, my gosh. Y- yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yes. I pictured it going up his left arm. Right. And all of that. Over his heart. Yes. Scary. Over his heart. Yes. Because, again, that heart is glass now. The heart's glass, um, and he should not be here. <laughs> he should not be here. No. Rest in peace, Louis Debrell. But right, right, right. <laughs> and then, and then probably like Abigail, like on his on the right. right. Yes, yes. What in the world? I that's the same brain. Us. We love the same brain. We love the same brain. I love, <laughs> I love our minds. Yeah, I saw it like it was like a, a storyboard in my mind. Like I'm, yes. I'm on his left side, which would be mm-hmm. his screen right arm is his left arm, and then yes. Abigail's just across the way, sitting at his bedside. And yeah. the sunlight's like pouring. It's like backlighting her. A bit. Oh, absolutely. That, that ring, the halo. Oh, yeah. You know, real, real dreamy in the hospital bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's our headcanon. We can do what we want. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right about that. <laughs> that is, that's honestly like the subtitle of the whole podcast. Toss and shout. It's our headcanon. We can do what we want. <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with that. That has never been more true. <laughs> Oh, it really hasn't. It's going to it's going to get more true, but it's never been more true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> oh man, incredible. I I do also want to peel back the curtain a little bit. We both wrote down. I'm glad to see you awake. I'm glad to see you, Abigail. We both wrote that down. Did we for real both write that down? I wrote it down. I wrote down. I'm glad to see you awake. I'm glad to see you, Abigail. I have passed away. Yeah. And I said, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. So good. It's, and like, it's the enunciation on you. I'm glad to see you. I'm not here. I'm gone. I'm on a different plane of existence. <laughs> yeah. I have ascended. Yeah. Tying that in an actual like character lens. Mm-hmm. They said, this is the first, like, Lewitt is seeing her. Mm-hmm. He's not... He, you know, he's not saying that he's glad to be awake, that he's glad to be alive, mm-hmm. that he's glad to see people he knows instead of, like, random brothers of prosperity. Yeah. You know, he's seeing her, which is really beautiful. 
I think to add on to that too, they said that he still was kind of out of it. He's not really fully in his mind right now. So he's a little bit more vulnerable than he would choose to be in this moment. So the fact that he just lets that out, like, I'm glad to see you. Like, that's that's where I'm at right now because I'm so, like, my walls are down in in a different way. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. That's a good point because, like, it's sort of – Because he's in denial otherwise. Exactly. The man (laughs) does not – It's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute for him to get It's going to take a minute. Yeah, y'all need to wait a little while. This is the slow burn of all slow burns. (laughs) When you binge it as fast as I do, it doesn't feel like that much of a slow burn, but – I was there. I was there when the texts were written (laughs) – the ancient text flew again. Quote them to me. <laughs> Do not quote them to me. I was there when they were written. Oh man! Every bi-weekly, yeah. <laughs> waiting for my Louisville crumbs. Just crumbs. Just the crumbs. <laughs> oh man! It's just lovely, and I just love seeing their development and seeing where they yeah. came from because it's just—it's a beautiful how they've crafted it. Just so special. It so, really is. Again, re-listening to it, knowing what we know now, is just such a, a special experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I fully agree. Yeah. The respect that they have for each other is just so tangible. Yes, I had a thought about that, too. Yeah, continue. Okay. Yeah, because, one, he listens to her. Yeah. Asks her advice. Mm-hmm her perspective, and then listens. But then she also is acknowledging what he's feeling. Mm -hmm. She's saying, I know you want to go fight them all. I know you think, like, we can handle this, but I almost lost you. And so Mm -hmm. it's just, it's really, really nice to see. Yeah, I wanted to tie that in with some earlier episodes, um, episode two, when they Mm -hmm. kind of have this moment um, where he, like, trusts her to read the room and they're kind of working together and it's that kind of partnership um which is insane knowing that they've only been working for six months together i think Mm -hmm. that's already been revealed at this point so yeah it's not like in the grand scheme of things that's not super long no to to have that kind of relationship off the bat and to see them again respect each other so much that they're willing to listen to each other and and trust their opinions on things. Um, that's a beautiful foundation yes. from the start. Absolutely, I love it. They're great. <laughs> They're so great. I, I can talk about them forever. Good things about them. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. They bring that back. Mm-hmm. Um, what you said about them having this sort of preternatural relationship is what Je- how Jeffrey phrases it at the end of this episode, where he can read her cues. Yeah, it's in a funny moment with Whittleby. But he immediately picks up on what she's trying to do. It's just great. It's just some really good stuff. They have some stellar moments. And, you know, there's only more to come. (laughs) There's more to come, baby. There totally is. Is there anything high death-wise that we want to comment on? I guess my, you know, my high death thoughts can get saved until our next recap. Yeah. Yeah, because technically, I mean, in this one, we don't know much about the high death. So No, we um, don't. That means you don't either. (laughs) Our listeners. (laughs) Yeah, and we'll learn more. Um, our next recap yeah. will be on not only episodes five and six of Roll and Tell, mm-hmm. we're also going to include the bonus episode that they did called Have You Heard About the High Death? Yeah. Which is where they create the backstory for the High Death, which is a really special and very underrated little episode. Absolutely. Of the pod. And we're not leaving anything out when we when we are doing our recaps for you people we so are the bonus episodes are in <laughs> giving you all the meat all the content exactly. that we've consumed 
and exactly. we're so excited for it like always we're always excited this is always such a joy and a blast mm-hmm. but getting to dig into the high death arc in earnest is gonna be so good it's gonna be so fantastic so much is gonna happen Mm -hmm. and you're not ready none of us are ready none of us (laughs) well maddie why don't you help us recap our lesson for the day i would love to our lesson for the day is inspired by our baby boy yodi himself love him um our sweet boy has taught us to speak up for yourself take control of your life yeah you have agency you have power. You can control more than you think you can in your life. Yeah. You just got to use that voice of yours. Use that voice. Be bold and speak yeah. up for yourself. Yeah. What a lovely and lesson. Maybe, and maybe get you a friend who will duel for your, your freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe get you a duel. A duelist. <laughs> Emily, I would duel somebody <gasps> for your freedom. Wow. I would do the same for you. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's so beautiful. That's so special of us. I yeah. love us. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Well, with that, that was your recap on episode three, Breaking Free, and episode four, The Glass Death. Amazing. Of Roll and Tell. I'm clapping for us. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Toss and Shout. Toss and Shout. And if you are enjoying the pod, please be sure to give us a five star rating yeah. on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you listen. Because that is, like, the best way to reach people mm-hmm. and reach new listeners and new fans. And also, we would love to read it. <laughs> We'd love to read yes. what you think about the pod. Yes. Any suggestions yeah. you guys have, any questions you have. Um, yeah. We are more than willing to answer. <laughs> yes. We'd love to read it. Please do. But what a, what a great recap we had. Yeah. So excited for the next one. <laughs> It'll be great. We'll be back. Keep up with it. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. This has been Emily. And this has been Maddie. And we'll see you next time on Toss and Shout! Shout.